here we go. From the Steel City, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, welcome to Post-Christian Pastors, the podcast hosted by three pastors that dives into faith, relationships, pop culture, ministry, current issues, and a whole lot more. Well, welcome everybody to Post-Christian Pastors. So glad that you're with us. The boys are back. Well, minus one. Uh, the boys are back. My name is Mark Helsel, and I'm here with... John Price. John Price. I'm not the one who's not here. I know. You are not tardy. <laughs> you are not absent. You are here in the flesh. Mr. Michael P. Arnold is... is He's lost his mind since the election, and he is... We're trying to talk him down, uh, but he's, he's gone. We don't know where he is. We're still looking for him. Uh, he's he's some, in witness protection. He's somewhere. Something. Yeah, he's somewhere out there in Trump land or whatever it was Trump <laughs> land or I don't know who knows where we're at right now somewhere. But he uh, he's not here with us today. And um, and so, Mike, we love you, but uh, you're not here. So welcome to Post Christian Pastors. We are the podcast where we are just three pastors who who um, try to figure out how to live for Christ in a post Christian society in a post Christian uh, world, how do we live out the way of Jesus um, in that, in all different topics, relationships, politics, uh, just theological stuff, all, all kinds of things we've covered. Go back and listen to old episodes if you want. But today, wow, here we are. We're, we're recording this just uh, six days, right? Seven days, exactly seven days, one exactly week. Exactly seven days, one week. One week since the election. Seems like a year. Don't have a president <laughs> yet, <laughs> depending on who you talk to. Uh, we do or don't. I'm not quite sure. Uh, we're still in the midst of it. Whatever you want to say about that, whatever you believe about that, we're still in the middle of trying to figure that out. And uh, so, John, what has this last week been like for you? Have you found it exhilarating, exhausting, uh, just tired of it? Are you done? Are you? Yeah, I'm pretty much done talking about the election. I mean, it's kind yeah. of like, you know. It is what it is, and we, right, you know, America will continue to right. yes. move forward. Um, you know, I yeah, the, the election stuff is kind of like I literally I watched the election that night from six p.m. till about three a.m. I literally stayed up. <laughs> And watched it. I do this once every four years, which is probably bad on my part. I should probably be more involved with local stuff or, or you know. Uh, and so I, uh, I watched it, went to bed, and I don't think I've watched 10 minutes of it since then. Oh, really? See, I was the opposite. I was like, I watched it for maybe a couple hours that on Tuesday night, sh- turned it off because I like, this is not, I, I mean, I, you could tell early on, I was like, this is not going right. to, we're not going to find out tonight. Got up the next morning. I'm like, we still don't know. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> did you really think you would? Did you? Did No, you? I, I mean, I didn't think we would, but I thought we might have a better, a, a better idea than we did the next morning. And so then it almost, I mean, you're almost like captivated by it. Like, so this is funny. Like I, I'm doing some work in my basement and uh, did, I've done a lot of the work myself, but I'm getting some quotes for some other work to be done, like some right. finishing some finishing work. Oh, well, we're about to get our basement redone oh. too, so I might have some okay. things to yeah. ask you. Well, anyway, so like I'm like waiting for this quote from one of the, one of the contractors, and I texted him, and he's like, "Oh, sorry, 
this elect this election stuff has just kept oh, like kept me like, oh like so I mean yeah it's just this you know it's harming your life John <laughs> it's slowing it, down it was just life. funny how he was like his excuse was I'm so like in like captivated by what's happening right that I don't have time to do my job oh and my I, gosh and you know I think I think that was I actually think that was the case for a lot of people I think mm-hmm. um, I think myself included to some to some extent like I was like glued to you know, the TV or the internet, you know, getting updates like, oh, maybe, you know, and the, as these votes like trickle in, you're like, oh, wait, wait. <laughs> oh, yeah, look, oh, it went up 2%. Ooh, it went down to, oh, my gosh, like, yeah. I mean, it was crazy how it kind of captivated us for those several days. And well, I, yes, the election cap- captivated us, but, you know, we were talking before we came on, and I think one that is bothered me um, not about the election but about the the whole thing is how much it has captivated people mm-hmm. like people people's passion people's hearts mm-hmm. people's expectations of politics yep. um, it is it is kind of scary to me how much and I don't care what side you're on Republican or Democrat because um I feel like everybody, uh, I I don't know why this is, but even Christians, I think a lot of times Christians with a quote, I guess, Mm -hmm. uh, think their salvation is coming, you know, their Messiah has come by their political party winner. And I I thought I felt like so many people put so much on Trump and getting Trump reelected or, or, you know, just the last four years of Trump. I just... It just feels so unhealthy. I mean, I remember what Chuck Colson said that Chuck Colson said that, you know, he Chuck Colson do his, you know, Watergate and went to prison and had a conversion to Christ in prison, you know, very much high up in the Nixon administration. Right. Um, but Colson said, you know, salvation doesn't come on Air Force One. Right. And he had a great perspective. And I just feel like it, it feels like either side, like this is their Messiah. And I don't know if, if, like there's two things there's two things in America I think are the new religion in America you sports <laughs> and politics yeah. I feel like those are the two growing religions in America now we have this whole segment of people that are walking away from kind of you know orthodox christianity and I, or just walking away from organized religion or anything right. and I think you sports and politics are the two growing religions mm-hmm. where people are finding their secular salvation yeah. Okay. As I heard, um, I heard a guy talk about this the other day, like there's secular salvation, uh, and redemption in this Messiah in their political party and, and the language, even sometimes that Trump used and, and, or just the hope that people put in Trump or Trump's like, I'll do this for you. I'll save you, you know, or then also I was listening to Biden. I did hear a little bit of that on Saturday mm-hmm. and the words are like, um, you know, I'm going to, it's time for us all to heal and I'm going to bring, it's implied, I'm going to bring healing. We're going to restore the soul of America with some of the verbiage. And I know this is all political speak, but it just, it has risen to a level of, it feels, it just feels like a religion. It Mm -hmm. feels, it feels messianic on either side. Like we're looking to these people on one on each side who are going to rescue us the messiah will come yeah i don't know that's my that's my really disturbing thing however this plays out 
it's one of my disturbing things and even listening to people uh republicans or democrats the way they talk about what politics is going to do mm-hmm. to you know to save everything is just kind of right. scary right yeah it's it's not unimportant but many have elevated to the most important. Right, because if you have a good theology of things, a good understanding of things, you realize politics is a part of life. I just preached on this a couple right. weeks ago. Politics are important. Politics yep. are uh, – a few years back we did a series. I think it was right around the, the 2016 election. We did a series called Jesus Loves Politics, mm-hmm. and then we did the next week was Jesus Hates Politics. <laughs> and it was just talking, trying to give people a balanced view mm-hmm. of politics. And so – you know, I'm not an anti-politics guy, and I believe politics can do some good things, and we want to have good laws, and we want to have good policy, but laws and policy cannot transform people. Right. Um, and, it, and, and even, like, I look at it this way, is that, you know, the Scripture tells us, Paul tells us in Romans, that not even God's law, but throw our laws out, our man-made laws, which sometimes reflect God's law. Mm-hmm. But our law, our God's law, is incapable of changing a person's heart. Mm-hmm. Right. It just simply points out right. where the brokenness is. Right. And I'm in need of grace and mm-hmm. salvation. And I think we're still trying to get that out of politics. We realize that laws and stuff only point to the brokenness, but we're actually trying to find our salvation in a political messiah. Right. No, well, that's really good. You did that 2,000 years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and shocker. That was, right. Shouldn't be a shocker. And that was, you know, I mean, that was, you know, part of the issue with within the Roman Empire as Christianity grew, right? Because, right. That, I mean, you know, the emperor was considered the Messiah, right? And, yeah. and I would say, I think you would agree, Christianity's downfall, in quotes, became when it became merged with empire. Yeah, I mean, that, you know, def- I mean, there were definitely some, some positives to that. Yes. Sure. But it also, yeah, created um, a very difficult um, kind of. Well, when it became a power two. thing, when right. Christianity got merged with power, right, it kind of made it difficult. Yeah, I mean, and I think the other thing too for me that has been discouraging, if you want to use that word, is just seeing how, um, particularly, specifically among Christians, how political ideology, how, you know, kind of political views, um, have become so divisive in the church. Right. Right. And I mean, just, I mean, you know, just, yeah, I just, uh, preached on, uh, on the, uh, body of Christ on, 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 sun, on Sunday mm-hmm. in my Shalom series and how, you know, Paul, both in Romans and in First Corinthians, you know, has almost two exact same teachings, right, about the body of Christ and and how we each have, you know, we're un- united, and in, but in our unity we also have diversity, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of what our gifts and abilities and um, backgrounds and all these things are, um, and we have unity, diversity, and then we also have um, a. A, a, a need for one another, right? And, mm-hmm. and it was interesting. I was pointing out, you know, that you know, when when Paul says there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor Scythian, you know, 
uh, male or female, you know, slave or free. Like he's he's saying that that's a, that's our unity, right? We are united first and foremost in Christ. And I said in our day we could add there's no Democrat or Republican, liberal or conservative, mm-hmm. right? Because we are all one in Christ. They run you out. They run huh? you out. No, <laughs> no. Okay. No, but I, you know, it was it was a I think a good reminder to all of us, myself included, that as Christians. Right, we have, you know, Christ is our foundation, right? That is the foundational. I mean, think about, you know, even Jesus' like first 12 disciples, all right? I mean, we have a zealot, mm-hmm. right? And then we have Matthew the tax collector who was right. beholden to the Roman government, right? Zealots killed tax right, collectors. Exactly. That was one of their missions. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, so you had just as a part of, you know, we don't know what the other political yeah ideologies from from uh the but other they disciples. were all political because everybody's political in some right way. in some regards and you think about jesus you know calling a zealot calling a tax collector i mean you think democrats and republicans hate each other mm. i mean you know that's yeah we haven't killed each other since aaron burr and right. Uh, <laughs> right. Hamilton. hamilton but you know but if jesus called this diverse group of disciples right right who literally i mean we don't have we don't have it in have it in scripture but i wonder how many times jesus had to pull those two apart yeah <laughs> especially in the early days right, right exactly right. you know and if if that's who jesus called and jesus had the ability to call whomever he wanted mm. to right he could have called a completely you know uh symbiotic group that all agreed with one another and all had the same ideas and thought, kumbaya. kumbaya right he mm. could have he could have called that group of people mm. together and yet he calls a very diverse group of people who have come from very different backgrounds yeah. and calls them to be one. Yeah, it's and always it's always the third way to me. Like it's never like, oh, I could have chose all conservative people. Right. I could have chose all liberal people. Right. Jesus always picks this not somewhere in the middle. It's not in the middle. No, it's he not. He picks the middle. a third way, right. like a it's different, something altogether totally different. New. Yeah, a new way to be human, a new way to be political, a new way, a new way to live out uh, faith. Just everything right. is a new way. And I don't think a lot of people were so stuck in the old ways that we um, we appreciate that as much as we probably should. Right. So, Well, hey, um, today we're talking about all this stuff. Yeah. So we've got a group of people coming on. I mean a group. A group. A, a potpourri <laughs> of people from all over, from Colorado to Tampa, Florida, to Pittsburgh, PA, to Indiana, PA, <laughs> all the way out in Indiana. Uh, today we're looking at people and pastoring and politics and parenting all in a pandemic. Lots of peace. So, yeah, we're just throwing out the piece today. Alliteration there, Pastor Alliteration, yes. Thank you very much. I was well trained. So uh, we're going to take a break, and then we'll be back here in a moment to bring our squad on, our uh, squad goals. I can bring our squad on. And uh, they'll be coming out. It should be a lot of fun, so don't go anywhere. And we'll be right back here on Post-Christian Welcome back, everybody, here on Post-Christian Pastors. That was a good way to kick it off. And uh, we are back now, and I got some exciting news. We got we got some guests. All right, John? Yes. You ready? I got some guests, and my phone's blowing up again. I tried to stop it, but it's crazy. Do not disturb. We got guests today, like guests, like potpourri of guests, which starts with a P also. Uh, we have a potpourri of guests, and this is a ragtag group. I mean... Uh, I'm also looking at them on Zoom, and uh, they're kind of scary. I mean, they're kind of scary. And then, like some of them are furry, 
Um, some of them, some of them are not. Uh, yeah, we've got clean shaven and furry. Are and still in their Halloween costumes? Or? Yeah, we got Bill still in his Halloween costume. Oh no, I'm just kidding, Bill. Uh, so here we go. I'm going to introduce these guys. You're going to hear their voice. And um, but first off, I want to introduce you to coming all the way from Tampa, Florida. Now all these guys are pastors. Okay, all these guys are pastors. And uh, some clapping to put in. Yeah, like a like, post-production Ooh. golf clap. Okay. Uh, so all the way from Tampa, Florida, uh, I want to introduce you to my friend and pastor, Tommy Shelton. So say hello, Tommy. Hello, everyone. How are you doing? How's it? What's the temperature down there? Nice, balmy Florida. Hot. Hot. It's just hot. It's still hot. People don't realize in November it's still hot. And it, you getting no. like the tropical storm there or what? I don't know anything about weather i don't follow it <laughs> you don't go out in the weather you just stay in the i don't i don't just stay inside until it cools down yeah, i don't even have a window in my office i you know oh, let's see here so outside is 88 degrees right now oh nice Ooh, nice wow. with apparently a 60 percent chance of rain nice all right tommy well there's always a 60 percent chance of rain when it's hot. Right? Sure. all right so and then uh second we'll go in the furthest away Second, coming all the way from Indiana, Pennsylvania, as we've already, he's already been on here, but again, Marv Nelson, say hello, Marv, again. Hello, it's good to be back on Post-Christian Pastors with you guys. All right, so there's Marv, and then joining us for the first time ever on Post-Christian Pastors is my friend Bill Baubach. Bill's coming at us from Impact Church in Moon. How are you doing, Bill? I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for having me. I feel a little nervous being the rookie on this show. Yeah, yes, you are the rookie. <laughs> Thanks for dressing up for it. And uh, <laughs> he's got the only collared shirt on. I, I Bill feel is dressed. Bill is collared shirt shirted up, man. He's right. Oh, pop the pop the collar there, yeah. buddy. <laughs> Looking good. All right. So here's what I want to do. We wanted to, um, you know, this title of this episode is people pastoring politics and parenting in a pandemic. All right. Because we are pastors, we love peace. All right, so that's the that's the title. So I want to start with a question, and um, we'll just kind of go around the horn. We'll start with Bill since he's the rookie. All right, Bill. Um, awesome. So, um, what has it been like for you, um, pastoring in a pandemic? What is that? What is and through this whole cultural moment, what has it kind of been like these last seven or eight months, um, pastoring through this? I think it's been a, a pretty challenging year, a lot of rewards, but also pretty challenging. I think the biggest challenge is people are so far across the spectrum of their feelings, of what they believe, of their experiences. We have you know, some people who are scared to death, right. some people who the big joke, and how do you kind of bring them all together? That's been the biggest challenge. Oh, come on, Bill. You don't know how to do all that perfectly? I mean, come on. Oh, What's wrong with you? <laughs> you must be less enlightened or something. Uh, <laughs> must, be. <laughs> must be. So, like, you see a lot of uh, variety, a lot of, a lot of, um, just all over the spectrum. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's people who are still even today. What? What? What are we like? Eight months since it's began or right. so. Uh, that still don't want to go out of their house. Right. Some people ask them to wear masks in our facility are staying away because they think we're ridiculous because we're asking them to wear masks. And, you know, it's just such a hard uh, uh, epidemic to get through. And then you got the people in the middle who are getting killed by all of them. <laughs> people on the other end are like, oh, yep. I'm going crazy. Yeah. Nice. Okay, Tommy, what about you? What is it? What has it been kind of like 
pastoring in the midst. Now, now, Bill, you let me say this real quick. Bill, you're in a church of about what seven, eight hundred people. Yes, yeah, pastor in a church. You're kind of like a medium to large size church. Um, yeah. uh, Tommy, tell us about you because I know you're new at your pastor at job in a smaller church. Tell tell us about right. that and what it's been like, kind of pastoring maybe that small church through the pandemic. Right. So, I mean, relatively new. I've been preaching here for the last. Um, two years, uh, I went through, uh, you don't need to hear any of it, but I went through quite a bit of a desert experience. And um, I was hanging drywall and doing handyman work, wondering where my pulpit was. Um, but you make and, great tables though. You make amazing uh, tables. So anyway. I learned that I was I was very good at making furniture and very bad at making money. <laughs> and um, <laughs> Most pastors are. Well, Jesus oh was a carpenter. He didn't make any money either. It was, no, no, had no, Fox to lay his head on? No. Yeah. Something like this Bible thing. Um, and I, I, I was joking with my wife that I was going to have to trick some church by, you know, um, you know, scoring some guest preaching opportunity and then just never leave. And that's pretty much exactly what happened. Uh, a small church in the area needed a pastor and just friend of a friend um, kind of thing. And, and I got a chance to preach for two weeks and I've been here ever since. So, uh, September something or other would be two years that I've been here. Right. But last September something is when they finally uh, voted me in. And I'm they, now the. They didn't vote you off the island. They voted you in. Is that like the squatter's the rights of pastoring? Yes. Like That's you, squatter's <laughs> rights. You can't kick me out now. I've been here. I've been here too long. I'm not leaving. All right. I know. Well, they gave me keys to the building like three weeks in. So well, I that's it was bad. Gonna, yeah. It's going to be all right. Yeah. I didn't know who was scamming who. Um, <laughs> You know what so I, we wait, were, we got to we say this. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. I got to say this just because yeah. we're just goofy around here. Sure. I got to say this is that you you are the only church I know that has a zoo attached to it. We, yes, yeah, we do. <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> yeah, they have like a zoo, right? I have a I have a donkey that yeah. routinely around when it gets close to noon, he uh, <laughs> lets me know the service <laughs> needs to end so he can get fed. Um, it, it, okay, so... It looks like just like a petting zoo, but it's actually a ministry called ARC, Animals Reaching Kids. And it's yeah. this cool thing of like special needs children connect with animals really, 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 really well. Yep. And so it's a it's a ministry to help special needs children, you know, kind of come out of their shell. And no, it's awesome. I just like making fun of you. I just like making fun of Well, please do, because like <laughs> who who else gets to receive that kind of uh, abuse? It's like <laughs> nobody else has donkeys in their Right. <laughs> I can look out the window while I'm preaching. There's animals out there. The good so. thing is you're ready to go for Christmas, though. You're all set. Oh, man. Our live nativity is yep. amazing. <laughs> well, you, that was a given. That was Dude. a given. Any means we Palm had a, Sunday. We had a Palm camel. Sunday's good. Oh, you're sure. all good. You had a camel? Yeah, yeah had a we camel. had one. Had a camel. Wow. Sammy, Sammy died. Yeah. Um, Sammy. Okay, go ahead. So tell us. Go back. I'm sorry. Right. But get sure, it. you're tell fine. Us, tell us about it. So we had like... Uh, they were rocking like 30 people for like a really long time. And, um, but I didn't care, you know, like it, I for real didn't not just like, that's what you're supposed to say, but it really, for some reason just didn't even register to me that there was only maybe 30 people in the sanctuary. Um, and then we rolled around 2019 and we had some plans and we had some whatevers and it was looking kind of cool. And then all of a sudden, you know, out of nowhere, this, this, uh, pandemic thing happened. And, uh, it, again, all kinds of backstory you don't need to 
here, but I was planning on writing a book called um, The Success of, of, of Faithful Failure, because that's all I've done in ministries, fail. And um, <laughs> I just had assumed when I started preaching that it was inevitable that the thing was going to unravel. So here we go. Global pandemic. Nobody saw it coming. And I'm like, all right, here we go. Like, here's when it all falls apart and no one's going to come and the money's going to stop and I'm going to have to go back to, you know, building tables and hanging drywall. But the weird thing happened and people just kept coming after taking like six weeks of nobody meeting in the building and doing virtual only, which was hard to figure out on the fly. But but then people started coming. So, you know, it seems so grossly obnoxious of a pastor, but like. God's been so good to us. I just can't even explain it. Just the outpouring yeah. of people and money. And okay, Joel. <laughs> yeah, but it has been awesome. Like it has been awesome. I don't. I don't know if you can see my chart behind me, but as you can see, I carefully the tithing, the salvations, the righteousness, and the attendance. They're, we're all. They're all those lines are pointing up. <laughs> I love so, it. I love it. Yeah. I love. It. I love yeah. that you made a chart. Yeah. Yeah. I've, Thanks for doing that for us. Sure. <laughs> clearly, this is my forte. Yeah. Numbers. Clearly. Yeah. Metrics. Clearly. Metrics has always been your strong point. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Measurement. So, Marv, what about you? What's your experience? It's been like out there in rural Indiana, Pennsylvania. And, and I, rural. Tell me a little bit about that church. Tell me a little bit. And you didn't take over that long ago. No, no. I, uh, I, I showed up in 2018. And uh, so I've been here for about a two, two and a half years. A little over two and a half years, yeah. and the church was in a little bit of a rough spot. Uh, the last pastor that was here kind of ran a lot of things into the ground and ran people away. Picked up a church of about it was 135, 140 people that were regularly attending. Uh, very few young families, and that was where we felt led to to go after to to go after young families and to beef up our children's ministry, our outreach, and things like that. And uh, we were on a really great growth curve where before the pandemic, we were at about 240 people all said and done before, um, before it all hit. And, you know, it, it's hard to measure metrics anymore when it comes down to it. Right. Uh, we, we can say here are how many views we have on uh, live stream. Thankfully, live stream says how many hours have been watched, which is helpful. Uh, if you're on Facebook and you see it for five seconds, all of a sudden it's a view and that doesn't really help you. Yeah. Um, it stinks when it says average view four seconds, then you're like, Oh, yeah. oh man. Dude, I'm going to start doing four, I'm gonna start doing, doing four second metrics, sermons. Do not, do not dig into those numbers. It will ruin your day. I'm going to yeah, do okay. four second sermons from now on. I mean, if that's all you guys are watching, that's all, yeah. that's all you need to have. That's they can it. even show you when they turned you off. Like, oh, I don't, I don't want to know that. Yeah. But, uh, so, I mean, it, it, it was an adventure in the beginning for sure. A lot of it was exciting and exhilarating and fun trying to get stuff off on the fly. And, you know, like I, I like to work under pressure uh, in some senses, but man, as it dragged on, uh, when we reopened our doors, we had a lot of hope and strength. You know, we knew that we'd probably be about 120 as, as a, as a basis, we figured 50% of our people would come back in person, which is about what happened. Um, but when, when we first opened up, it was a soft, you know, it was, it wasn't fully green. It wasn't fully yellow. Uh, masks were still kind of an optional idea in June. And so we developed a, a masks required service at 9am and a masks optional at 1045. 
made everyone happy. I mean, everyone was like, yay, we're back in church and I love it. Jesus is awesome. And then Pennsylvania, the governor was like, masks are absolutely required if you leave your house. So with Romans 13 and with first Peter two, I was like, guys, we've got to follow the mandate. Well, that was a bunch of crap because I mean, <laughs> crap as in like it was the right thing to do, but I got lots of crap for it. Oh, um, I get it. You know, it produced a lot of crap. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. <laughs> kind of uh, like the donkey at his petting yeah, oh, zoo. The donkey doesn't hee haw. The donkey just poops on the altar. That's what happens. Uh, but um, it was it was a mess. I, I had one guy for fifteen minutes, literally, literally heckle me while I was preaching. No uh, way. Because yeah, on the mat, on the stage, we're not wearing a mask because we, we, you know, we were like, hey, we're 35 feet away from you guys. This whole thing is safe. So he's like, hey, bearded guy. Yeah. <laughs> Put the mask on. No, but what was crazy was for 15 minutes. As I was preaching, he was like, if you really love me, put on your own mask. Put on a mask. <laughs> oh, and it was my. Like, I'm going to ignore this guy because the majority of our people are watching online. And if I start yelling at someone, they're not going to know the context. They're just like, what is wrong with this pastor? Um, so anyways, it, it's been quite an adventure. People have left the church, but people have also come back to the church. Right. You know, and some new people, we have random families that have showed up. And we reopened our children's ministry in September and we're now running almost the same amount of numbers as we were before. We had 28 kids on Sunday, um, you know. So it's like it's like this. Yeah. And, you, know, you get excited and then you get depressed. Right. The pandemic. What so, do you? What did you do with the heckler? Uh, well, we met with him, and uh, I brought an elder with me because he didn't really see anything wrong with it. Well, actually, the thing that really made me upset and why I really met with him. Uh, I could care less that he heckled me in, in some senses, but we had communion that Sunday and he wore his mask on his head like a bonnet while taking communion. <laughs> like he felt like it was okay and it was respectable and honorable <laughs> to Jesus to do this. And and one of the craziest things is he, he was a co-teacher of one of our adult Sunday school classes. Was. I was like, what? yeah, what? I said, I said, honestly, the way you disrespect Jesus, you'll never be allowed to teach here again. Yeah. Like, I just can't, I can't handle how you did that. And, um, you know, but we were generous and gentle and said, hey, if you can repent and, and move forward, we come back to church. We love you. We care about you. He hasn't been back since he left. Did you ever see the movie The Apostle? Yeah. Like no. when the pastor just takes the guy out back and <laughs> beats the crap out of him. <laughs> it's like, don't you ever come back in here. <laughs> I like that. Movie. Jesus loves you. <laughs> Bill, you got any crazy uh, pastoring during the pandemic stories? Oh yeah, we've had some of those. I, I have not had a heckler. That's that's quite an interesting story, um, Mark. As you know, we've done a couple events outside to try to build community with food truck events and things like that. And um, we had someone who does not like our church so much um, drive past that evening and then try to make a barrage of attacks of us on social media that we are the spreaders of the virus. Um, oh, you had a like, super spreader event. Yeah, we're, we're, we're the super spreaders <laughs> of the Pittsburgh area. <laughs> I've been looking for who it to blame, and now I know it's you. There he is. Yeah. There he I, is, I right there. I'm putting you on the news tomorrow. <laughs> you busted. All right, John's got a question for you guys uh, as we talk about this uh, prestigious panel of pastors here. Yeah, are great stories, man. Yeah, particularly. So, um, you know, kind of hearing how things are going 
uh, you know, ministry wise, uh, in terms of like the broader church, how are you all, uh, how are your, how are the people that you're, um, ministering to and with dealing with the pandemic? I mean, a couple of you have kind of mentioned a few things about that, but how are you seeing this, uh, period of time that, um, we've gone through and, you know, quite frankly, I think, you know, um, you know, we're unfortunately seeing cases rise and um, we're probably going to, you know, have, uh, you know, just my, my kid's school just got, you know, shut down and going back to a hybrid model of teaching. And so we have all these things that are happening. Uh, and so, you know, we're, we'll obviously see people kind of struggling with, with some more of this stuff. How have you guys uh, seen that uh, playing out with among the people that you minister to? It's uh, really complicated. Sometimes I feel like I'm uh, threading a needle and sometimes I feel like I'm, uh, you know, walking a tightrope kind of thing. Like I'm looking at all these peas, people pan, uh, pandering. <laughs> uh, people. Well, Marv didn't do that. He kicked the dude out, man. He's like, get out. I'm not pandering to you. So I'll give you another P word, psyche. How are the psyche of the people? That's what I'm, how is their psyche? Is it, is it alliteration if it doesn't make the same sound, but mm, just starts with the same maybe. letter? Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Psyche. And the pterodactyls. Um, put that on the... So people and, and, and pastoring and parenting and the pandemic and politics, like you want to believe that those are, watch this, parallel lines, but they seem to be so perpendicular, like they're crossing into each other. Right. Like, you know, why, why, why does it have to be political? You know, like parenting shouldn't be political. Pastoring right. shouldn't be political, but when you weirdly ascribe like a political uh, uh, um, value to the wearing or not wearing of a mask mm-hmm. and trying to pastor with people, that's that's really frustrating to me. Right? Like I, we we don't. The state of Florida doesn't require masks um, in churches and places of worship. We got a little carve out. But I wear a mask like at the beginning of the service because I want anyone who walks into my sanctuary who wants to wear a mask. I don't want them to feel like the dork in like the middle school cafeteria without a table to sit, you know, like feeling like they, you know, wearing the wrong clothes. So I'm wearing a mask. You're willing want, to be the dork. I want them to feel comfortable. Sure, I'll be the right. dork. But then I know I have people that see me wearing a mask and, you know, like, you know, well, there's that rainbow flag waving commie pastor you know like, like no i'm just wearing a mask and so i don't i don't like those those like bear traps that have been yeah. set out like as we try to figure this out well i think we've got we've got a whole ton of converging worlds right there's yeah. like a you know because like you said you got politics we're going to talk about that in a little bit here but we got politics and we've got we got faith issues and we've got parenting stuff all like mm-hmm. colliding together all in this pandemic soup mm-hmm. bill and I, think the, guys- and I think the biggest struggle is i think that god's really kind of hitting a lot of the churches and a lot of our christians is because this all happened in a political cycle political year it's being revealed that boy maybe politics has been our god more than it has been christ sure and that's what we're running into the most here is because it's all become so political and politicized that we're real, we're realizing that whatever you want to believe, whatever category, Republican, Democrat, whatever side you want to fall on, that's become your God more than Christ. And it's become mm-hmm. a big issue. 
whatever and fits your narrative too. You're not looking at the biblical narrative. You're looking at whatever political well, we, narrative. Weirdly, when it comes directly like to the, my people, my people, as though I have them, <laughs> um, a, a lot of the bigger churches, like I'm surrounded by mega churches just in, in my county, um, Pinellas County. Um, there's these giant mega churches. They were at a disadvantage because it's much harder for them to figure out how to do things. So they were mostly online only. Well, here we are, our doors are actually open. So I, we had a lot of like refugees that didn't want to do the digital thing. You know, they, it was cool for like three weeks and then they're over it. You had digital refugees. I like that. Yeah, it is. Like so I, 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 like I had people that were just digital craving. exiles. Yes. Out in the, in the, you know, <laughs> the real world. And it, yeah. Well then haven't you're forced to like, exist in the social media swamp to to have any kind of you know body of christ experience and they just they were done with it so they came here right. so i've actually grown because of it now some churches are opening back up only to have to shut back down again because they they keep like doing the riding the wave the, yeah <laughs> yeah they're like what about yeah. you what about you more uh, i mean uh, i a lot of similar things. I think the psyche of people has, has kind of gone like that as well, you know, where there's kind of this acceptance, Oh, it's only going to be two weeks and then it becomes two months. And then there's promises, you know, from the white house and other places. Oh, you know, everything's going to be back by Easter. Oh, by, by August. Well, remember those words back by Easter. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. I'd forgotten about that. Holy cow. (laughs) I mean, and, 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 you know, it, it was, it was a constant promise of tomorrow. And when tomorrow came, people's hopes were dashed and frustration happened. And so I think a lot of people are, are have been going a little crazy. I mean, this guy that I talked to, I give him grace that he was yelling at me, I think, because he, he was going through some really hard stuff. If you're he, wearing your mask as a bonnet, you've gone a little crazy. Yes. Yeah, I agree. But I COVID mean, it, crazy. Yeah. Look for these warning signs. Yeah. <laughs> if your mask is on other, any part of your body other than your face, you might be COVID crazy. Yeah. That'd be like it might be a redneck, kind of like that whole, yeah. you could just do it might be COVID crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, and the parents around us too, like, you know, they, many of them planned on going back to school. Uh, there's a hybrid option and there's constant emails. Hey, you know what? We've had three COVID cases. If we get to four, we have to close the schools down. Uh, so it's it's just constant uncertainty, mm-hmm. and I think a constant level of uncertainty makes people anxious, fearful, and just on edge. And so you you might bump into someone at church and say, "How are you doing?" And they might say they're fine, but if something one little thing goes at them, then they just blow up and explode like crazy. Right. Uh, so people. And and that's the way our nation is right now, right? It's a big powder cake. Right. Everything, because of politics, I think people have become. I, I agree with Bill that people's politics have been God for a long time. It hasn't been a nation under God. It's been nation over God, um, and, and that's a sad, sad reality of where we've been. That's but a good I line. I'm going to steal your line. I know. I'm writing it down right now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I think it, you know, that that has really been where it has been. And and it, I think COVID exacerbated that, caused a, a deeper, intense uh, entrenchment into your own camp. Right. And it, mm-hmm. it was just 
I've seen the camps at war. Mm. Yep. Do you find, I, go ahead, Bill, go ahead. I was going to say, just to back, piggyback off of that, I, I think there's been a lot of symptoms going on for several years that COVID just kind of, um, kind of threw and, and expedited. Yep. And I read somewhere that, you know, churches across the board in our country are seeing a 20% dip in people who used to be attending their church no longer are and, and maybe not coming back. Right. And it's like it expedited where people are already at spiritually, which is a concern and something to be mindful of, I think, moving have, forward. Have you guys found have you guys found that um, you have more people reaching out for mental health help or or marriage help? Because even just this week, I've had three people reach out to me about mental health issues uh depression marriage stuff like marriage problems um have you found that that people have kind of been yeah, been at yeah, that absolutely. point i've seen marriage issues and abuse issues kind of skyrocket during this mm. time um and it's become a it, it definitely has become an issue yeah marva uh, marva's seen- getting verbally abused but that doesn't <laughs> go ahead marv uh, yeah. I, I've seen um, alcoholism sky skyrocket in our church. I had a guy; it's one of our younger couples. He actually works in our tech, and so I get to see him a lot. And uh, you know, he was just saying, "I've been drinking a lot, and mm. I, I I I can't sleep unless I'm drunk." Right. Um, and, and so, like that's a he works in prison too. So his his world is chaos. You know, mm. he's the IT guy, the only IT for the Indiana County Jail. Um, and so (laughs) he has to be there and see all kinds of crazy crap all the time. Um, you know, we, I, I actually just met with a couple, um, that has been struggling. There's just overworked in order to make ends meet. They're both now working and they work the opposite shift so that they can deal with the kids at school. So he works, you know, in the morning, she works at night. They see each other. They said for 30 minutes a day. And, wow, and right. basically that's when they're waking up or going to bed. So it's a uh, pretty stressful on a marriage. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. You, it's not sustainable. Long yeah. Range. That's a good word. Not sustainable. That's, that's huge. Yeah. Well, Hey guys, I appreciate uh, you guys sharing with us and John, anything you want to add to that? Just uh, stuff that maybe you've seen or I can't really, <laughs> I mean, everything, everything that we, all of that, all that and, <laughs> and a bag yeah, of chips. That's right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it has been a very, um, you know, I think a, a revealing time, so to speak. And, and it's, I think what's interesting is that, you know, it's not like that any of that stuff wasn't there before. Right. I mean, it, you know, much of this is not just, it's not magically kind of appeared because of, you know, COVID mm-hmm. doesn't bring with it, you know, these other, yeah. uh, you know, presenting symptoms as well. It just has brought to light some of the things that were already going on that were, maybe able to be kind of, you know, band-aided over or patched over or kind of, you know, you know, just kind of brushed, yeah. brushed aside. Uh, now, now, now can't be. I didn't ask these guys this, but I'd like to ask you this. What about, what, just give us a, a few, a short moment on parenting. What's, what's been parenting like in the pandemic? You've got three kids, right? Mm-hmm. Tommy's got like, 12 but uh you have <laughs> you've got three ca- yeah. you got now tommy five it's six six, six. i'm oh, sorry i was down one <laughs> i should have checked last month um so you got you got three kids got so tell us kids. a little bit about what that's been like i mean i think i think for the most part it's been okay i mean i i mean 
So it's interesting. Um, I was I had the privilege and opportunity to take a sabbatical last last summer. Not this, not this pandemic. You took, stuff, you the, took the sabbatical of all sabbaticals. Yeah, it was pretty. It was it was pretty you were great. A, two months or something yeah. in in Europe. Yeah, it was it was it was pretty pretty great. We were blessed to have that time. But it was awesome. It was kind of like it was like pre pandemic, you know, training almost because we were, you know, my family and I were uh, on the Isle of Skye <laughs> in Scotland, um, and I was serving a, a church there doing pulpit supply for them. Um, I'm not listening to you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you should see the pictures. Look, just friend request them on Facebook, John Price. But yeah, but it was, I mean, but we've talked about that several times is how like we were kind of, we were isolated to a certain extent. You know, I mean, you know, we saw people in the church and things like that, but we were somewhat isolated to a certain extent. And so we kind of learned some patterns that we brought kind of came mm. back to um in pandemic in the pandemic time that's cool but it hasn't i mean but even still it hasn't been like you know all uh roses and sunshine right um you know just you know it's i think it's been it's been particularly hard on uh, some of our one of our kids in particular in terms of you know he's super outgoing loves to be around people yeah. and with people and in school and you know yeah so the introverts are like pandemic. Yeah. What pandemic? <laughs> yeah. This is my life. Like, I love this. Can we not go back to the way it was? Right. So, I just miss the movies. I, I just want to go to the movies. I think oh. one of the hardest part for us parenting so in this is, is, is being even more kind of uh, attuned to the fact that our, all, that your kids are very different. Right. Um, outside of this, I think sometimes those things can kind of get glossed over a little bit because our you know, the family, we're all, going our different ways and doing their different things. But, you know, this has really kind of reminded us how, how much, how, how different our kids are, even though all growing up in the same family and how much we have to be attuned to their differences and how, you know, how to parent them you know, differently. That's a good word. That's a good word. Well, hey, we're going to take a break. Then we're going to bring in another special guest. We're going to talk about politics, the missing, the missing Ooh. P, the missing P. We're going to talk a little bit about politics because we're we're recording because we need more of that. Yeah, because we need more. Yeah, we need more uh, because we're recording this a week after the election, uh, and so uh, yeah, should be fun. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with a new special guest here on Post Christian Pastors. Don't go anywhere. All right, welcome back here on Post Christian Pastors. That was a lot of fun. We had a good time. They're still here. We haven't got rid of them yet. I've tried to get rid of these pastors because there's just way too many pastors with us. Right, guys? Too many pastors. Too many cooks in the kitchen. Try to get rid of them all. And we actually added someone to it. He's not a pastor, but uh, we're really excited to have with us Dr. Tom Copeland. And um, I actually went to Geneva College with Tom. Uh, friends with him uh, when we were there. And uh, let me tell you a little bit about Tom. Uh, he is the professor of politics at Colorado Christian University and the director of the of research at the Centennial Institute, which is the, the Colorado Christians in-house think tank. He previously taught at Biola University and Geneva College. Yay. He also worked in Washington, D.C. in government think tanks and the private sector. He's written or edited several books and his articles have appeared recently in places like USA Today, 
Town Hall, and Politico, which means he knows way more than all of us about politics. So welcome, Dr. Tom Copeland. It's good to see you, Tom. Well, thanks. I'm happy to uh, to join you guys today. Thanks so yeah, much, thanks for buddy, being with us. for being with us. And um, you're and you're a Beaver County boy, right? Aren't you? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Steelers, Steelers are eight. No, life yes, is good. life is good. <laughs> well, Tom, we wanted you to come on because we we're talking about but now. A he's bl- living the Rocky Mountain High. Yeah, he's <laughs> Rocky Mountain High. <laughs> Uh, we are, um, we've been, we've been doing all these, uh, P's we've been talking about like pastoring and parenting and people in the pandemic. And we want to close out here with politics. All right. We want to close out with politics. You, uh, have done this for your whole life. So Tom, help us out. Where are we right now? (laughs) Where, where do you feel like we are politically right now we'll chime in a little bit would we love to hear from you where do we where do you think we are in this political moment well i I guess there are probably a lot of different ways to go and i'll try to keep it keep it brief i suppose if you i mean we'll sort of work where we are right now kind of work out from it obviously this week you know we're still waiting for final election results things to be certified um, potentially some recounts uh certainly waiting for uh the you know the president's legal team to finish filing court cases and uh, eventually, Supreme Court may weigh in. I don't think it's going to last as long as Florida in 2000. That was 37 days. You guys remember Ugh. hanging chads yes. and all that stuff. Um, <laughs> I had no what a, Florida, idea what a hanging chad was before, uh, before yeah. that. Well, fortunately, Florida has really ramped up its game on, uh, on voting. So they were among the, the, the cream of the crop in terms of managing uh, this year's election. Uh, but obviously, we've not learned all, all the lessons that we needed to. Uh, about updating our election systems. So, you know, we're definitely in a time of not just uncertainty, but turmoil in a lot of ways over the results of the election. Um, Michael Barone, who's a a great political commentator, just wrote a piece the other day that imitates one that he wrote 20 years ago saying, we live in a 49% country. Hmm. If you look at the last uh, four, five, six presidential elections, it's almost been like a 51-49, 49-47 you know, 50-49 split at the presidential level. A lot of our state Senate races uh, have ended up at that level. So we really are a divided country. It's not just a a gut instinct. Boy, you feel divided. We've got, you know, riots on one hand and protests on the other. And, you know, we really are divided uh, electorally. And that's how people are voting. So at the moment, we're in the middle of this, uh, you know, short-term kind of crisis, I think, about the results of this particular election. Um, A little more... Broadly, and yeah. over the last couple of years, um, you know, we've seen some changes. Uh, certainly, uh, you know, Democrats have moved further left. They're kind of being dragged that direction, I think, by the by the progressives. Um, but conservatives, you know, the Republican Party has changed quite a bit under Trump. Um, he's kind of one of the things that I think, um, and we can certainly have a, a, you know more of a conversation about the the president himself. But one of the things I think has happened over these four years is that he's kind of blown up some of the. Uh, mixed metaphor, but blown up the sacred cows of, uh, of Republicans. Um, he said, look, going to war overseas is a bad idea. We're going to pull back from this neoconservative idea of planting democracy elsewhere. Um, he's challenged the idea that Republicans have to be in favor of uh, free trade. Mm-hmm. He's definitely doubled down on trade wars with China and tariffs and so on. So in some ways, one thing that you can, you know, if the Democrats are going to have this internal battle over the next couple of years over progressivism versus sort of more moderate liberalism, conservatives have to figure out what are what are we you know what are, what are the conservative mm. views on 
foreign policy and free trade and families and so on. So I think we're in some ways kind of opening into a new era where maybe we'll have better frank conversations about what the kind of the two main ideological streams actually believe. Hmm. That's good stuff. I'm going to, I'm going to open it up to let some of these guys ask a question um, that they might have for you. Could, is the, can I these, ask one real quick? Go ahead. Just yeah. along, along those lines, Tom, if, if, if both parties are going to be struggling with this, is there any hope that out of this could maybe come, could come like a third party? <laughs> or is it even that, well, or is that even not something we should want? Well, okay. So two really, really different kinds of questions. Yeah. Should we want it? <laughs> maybe so. Uh, you know, maybe there's some advantage to the idea of having a third party. The thing is, if you look at other countries that have third or fourth or fifth or sixth parties, you know, places like whether it's Israel, England, a lot of the European countries with parliamentary systems, there's an inherent instability in that in some mm. ways. You've got to develop coalitions and you've got very unique voter interests aligned with just a narrow particular, like the Green Party or the Socialist Party, or, you know, in Israel, the very, the ultra conservative, you know, uh, Jewish parties and so on. And so if, if we think the politics is ugly between two parties, you can just kind of multiply that when you've got more oh, parties. Yeah. So it's not that I think that a third party is a bad idea in America. I think a lot of folks feel like, okay, neither party is really my home. I want something else. Although the fact is, because we have two people still vote for those two. It's not that they just sit out elections for the most part. But I think the thing is because of our election system, we're only really ever going to have two parties with any chance to win. And not just at the presidential level, but uh, you know, we have what's called a first past the post system. You just have to win one vote more than the second place finisher. And you're, you know, you get your seat in Congress or whatever. Um, and it's only in parliamentary systems where you have, um, you know, party lists where mm. you know, if the conservatives in England win so many votes, then they automatically get X number of seats and so on. There, there's an incentive for those other parties because, uh, you know, you might be at the, the Green Party and only win a few votes. But as long as you get a small percentage, you're going to get a few seats in Parliament and get some voice there. And our system, yeah, there's there's no option for that. Doesn't work that you way. Know, so having more... More That's parties it. doesn't work. So, like, adding more ingredients to your political taco doesn't make it better, right? You're, you, we're just a meat and cheese and lettuce, lettuce politically, and uh, we don't we don't add any more de- ingredients to I want, it. I want some guacamole. Yeah, see, somebody. I think people in America are crying for guacamole. They want. Well, couldn't you? Couldn't you make an argument that we actually do have lots of parties, and it's just those two, the red and blue, is which of those parties can you get lined up under your camp? And it's like, so you have environmentalists, you have pro-life, you have, you know, gun control versus, you know, uh, um, second amendment. And and so they're not organized. They don't have brand names or political organizations, but I mean, it really is just which aggrieved people groups are you going to be able to line up with you? So, you know, with, with Trump's personality, he was able to, you know, peel off a couple of those aggrieved people groups and um, and line them up. And then you had a lot of Republicans that kind of forgot that they were free trade and, you know, pro spread democracy around the world. And they just kind of. Yeah, that's a great point. Toss them aside. In political science terms, at least there's a difference between a political party and let's say an interest, a particular group that has shared interests. So, uh, you know, one of the things that political parties do is they, they run candidates for office under their label. Mm-hmm. And so that's the difference, right? You've got, you know, pro-Second Amendment and any Second Amendment 
not very many, but, you know, Republicans, you certainly have environmentalists, you know, pro-abortion folks on, on the left, the LGBT community largely lines up on the left, although President Trump, interestingly, uh, did much better this time in terms of, of winning votes from the LGBT community, um, which kind of has surprised a lot of liberal commentators. They're not quite sure what to make of that. Um, but you're right, both of the parties really are kind of a, a big tent that includes a bunch of other hmm. groups. Um, one thing I think is interesting that I mentioned Michael Barone again. He's he's somebody who's definitely worth worth reading regularly. Um, he's pointed out that the, the Democratic Party, for most of its history, has been kind of they see themselves as a lot of out groups, hmm. you know, whether it's LGBT, racial minorities, uh, economic classes, and so on. And so for them, it's always kind of a matter of cobbling together the right kind of coalition mm-hmm. in an election. The Republican Party has generally been kind of sort of the, the party of hang on a minute, hold on, <laughs> let's not move too fast, um, and generally supporting, uh, you know, sort of traditional American, you know, families, values, mm-hmm. culture, and so on. Right. Uh, and so they, they have an easier time keeping the party together maybe than the Democrats, but it doesn't get people out to the barricades. Like, you don't go marching with a sign, like, keep things the same. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it doesn't rally people to go like throw Molotov cocktails you, 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 and stuff. You, you, throw in your cocktail going, keep things the same. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great so t-shirt, it, man. <laughs> keep things the same. No one, in, no one buys that. In wargaming out, like what, I don't know if some people might call this a dream scenario. Some people might call this a nightmare scenario, but just in wondering what could break apart that just, you know, two giant silo kind of political system we have. It's like, what if a third party candidate came out and he was like a weird combination of, of like really um, uh, um, aggressively pro-life and like pro-gun control, you know, like these two really big chunks from both sides, like that would probably give a lot of people nightmares. And then I know like for my sister, randomly that would be like her dream scenario she'd be like finally a political party for me um a lot of people's heads explode with two in the middle of it but yeah yeah. tom what do you think well uh if you can find a candidate like that i'd be interested to know if they can actually raise any money (laughs) right you have to have a lot of money and a lot of friends to be able to run for office especially to i mean maybe a candidate like that could run at a local level uh and and succeed Mm -hmm. but on the national level um they're just, yeah, these conflicting interest groups. Uh, it'd be really hard to put that together. Hmm. I, I, I would point out, it's interesting, you know, we, uh, one of the things that I just saw this week was that, you know, there was a, lib- among, among many other parties, there actually was a Libertarian Party candidate uh, in most of the 50 states. And they won something like one and a half percent in a number of places. Just enough, actually, in Arizona, Georgia, and Pennsylvania that that candidate might actually have thrown the election to Biden. Hmm. Um, and we all remember, you know, Ross Perot. Well, right. so, I mean, you, some of you guys are younger than I am. And well, he was Ross great Perot. on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think you're thinking um, of Dana Carvey. Oh, I'm, not sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I would have voted for Dana Carvey. Uh, no, yeah, 92, <laughs> man. 92. Bush would have won easily without Perot in the next Yeah. Time. So third party candidates tend to just be kind of spoilers. Uh, I think it was Jill, uh, what was her last name? Jill Stein, I think, who ran for the Green Party in 2016, mm-hmm. probably peeled off a number mm-hmm. of Hillary votes and kind of helped get Trump into office. Or, so, or Nader in 2000, um, stealing, yeah. you know, spoiling it for Gore. Yeah. I'll yeah. say, what about you, Marv? You got a question for Tom? Uh, I think it would take a long time. 
<laughs> okay. Oh, then I got a question. All right. I got a question. Uh, so if things stay the way they are and Trump loses, why did he lose in your opinion? Oh, wow. Uh, well, yeah, lots of factors, right? right? Um, I think certainly he wasn't helped by the fact that he was investigated generally pointlessly, uh, for the last couple of years. That certainly kind of brought his, uh, his star power down. Um, I think the media, uh, you know, certainly has been after him, uh, in a lot of ways. I, I don't believe all of the, uh, the victim sense that he has, uh, but certainly the media has been really, really critical, either uh, either harming him or, uh, you know, J- Joe Biden ran the easiest campaign in history, <laughs> like sat in his basement on Zoom, um, you know, had dinner with his wife, occasionally sent out somebody else to do a speech for him. He really didn't do anything. He just ran as I'm not Trump. Right. Uh, so from that perspective, you know, the, the Trump kind of had a, a, against him. I think certainly if Trump doesn't win, I think COVID is a huge part of it. Um, right. You know, there's no question. When he gave his State of the Union address back the end of January, whatever it was. Um, you know, the economy is booming. Employment is the best it's ever been for you know almost every minority group and for women. And, you know, there's no reason why he wouldn't be reelected in a landslide uh, this fall. Uh, in some ways, even I mean, COVID even impacts who he's running against. If it was Trump versus Bernie Sanders, this would be a total landslide. But Sanders lost out to Joe Biden because COVID hit. Hmm. And all of a sudden, once Biden kind of picked up a couple of primaries just after COVID started, then the Democrats were like, okay, shut it down. No more primaries. People, they were talking about just canceling primaries mm-hmm. uh, so that Biden would be the, the candidate. So I think those things are, those are external to Trump though. I mean, I think the final part of the answer, I'll try to wrap up quick, but I, you know, Trump's personality just rubbed so many people the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard his son uh, at an event two years ago say that, that he, Donald Jr., has the same problem that his dad does. He calls it Tourette's of the thumbs. <laughs> that he just has they both have this uncontrollable urge to tweet stuff all the time um and much of it offensive and i think he just managed to tick off enough uh and not just you know not just suburban moms i think there are lots of people who maybe were traditional there were suburban dads didn't he do worse with like, men what is this guy doing yeah, why did he, he act like this didn't he do worse and, with and, men this time like suburban men I don't. I'm not. I've not seen the number. I thought I saw there. that because yeah. I thought it was going to be the suburban moms that he totally crashed and burned with. But I thought I heard somebody talking about how he did worse with suburban dads. It was like it was like married guys, and yeah, I don't know I don't if that's know. true. But I, I, I don't know. So do you think, I think just one one other small thing is I think he I think he really hurt himself with that opening debate. Uh, he just now i think chris wallace was you know sandbagged him basically in some ways but he blew it i you know a yeah. week later two weeks later whatever it was i was watching the vice presidential debate with my son who's 15 mm-hmm. he's like why isn't mike pence the president <laughs> <laughs> there might be there might be some more people that have asked the same yeah, question. you know if kids can see who who looks presidential and who doesn't so i think that really has hurt trump i mean his his policies are one thing um, I, th- I think Christians have lots of things to be thankful for, actually, from the last four years, mm-hmm. um, particularly in the judiciary. Um, but I think I think Trump's personality and sort of inability to I mean, we all struggle with self-control. Right. It's just right. in different areas. Mm-hmm. But certainly his is in making public pronouncements on things and being offensive. And so I think, and I think can- COVID put him on TV every day 
which yeah. was a bad idea. <laughs> like just running your mouth too long. Well, Anybody, if any of us talk too long, yeah. it just yeah. say stupid stuff. You know, I see my oldest son who's, who's uh, 17 and, um, you know, four years ago, I mean, you couldn't find a bigger Trump supporter. I mean, he was all about it, getting into excited about it. And I mean, his, his tune has really changed. And, um, you know, he, he is not as much, or I can't say at all. And I think it's probably as the antics of uh, that Trump has put on. So I guess Tom, my question, do you think it was Trump's wisest move to, to seem to make his battleground with the media? Or do you think he should have had a better strategy? Well, okay, so in 2016, that was a strategy that worked, right? You're the outsider. Uh, you say right. the most outrageous things. He won hundreds of millions of dollars in free advertising uh, just by completely sucking all the oxygen out of the room every day that he was campaigning, right? He just, that won for him. Um, but then he continued that combativeness basically over the next four years. And I think this time around, and, and people liked that, right? They liked the outsider He's not a Washington, D.C. guy. He talks like a guy from New York City who deals with, you know, mob bosses in the construction industry. And like, you right. know, he has that persona to him and they love that about him. Um, but I don't know. The people that, that already loved it just kept loving it, but he didn't help anybody else to begin to love it. Like he, it just turned yeah. everybody else off more. Yeah. Or how many people are going to love that? Let's see. Has a certain. Seems has a certain bandwidth to it. Over the media, I don't think that they were ever going to say, "Oh, I was wrong. He's a wonderful guy. <laughs> we're going to we're going to treat him differently." Um, he couldn't have done much uh, to improve it. He couldn't have done much worse, though, either. So, um, Tom, uh, all the rest of us on here, uh, pastor um, churches, and um, as I think, as you can imagine, uh, it's been a not just because of a pandemic, but it's been a it's been an interesting season. We were just talking about some of the things that we've, uh, as pastors, have kind of worked through and seen in our congregations. Um, a lot of it being, a lot of the things that we've been dealing with are politicized. Um, what what advice would you give to um, us, particularly as pastors, but Christians, Christians in general, like how to how do we move forward uh, as God's people um, in the, a very kind of divided time um, politically? It's a really hard question. Um, I think some of the some of the easy things to project. Um, I, I do think if Republicans keep the Senate, then we will not see things like the Equality Act get pushed through Im- immediately, at least. Um, but I think the Christians are certainly in for uh, some challenging times in the next couple of years. Um, the Biden administration will try to undo a number of things that Trump did. Um, we'll try to reverse course on uh, who gets appointed to our federal courts, um, probably put pressure on a lot of Christian organizations. Um, Biden's talked about reinstituting the uh, abortion provision uh, and, and uh, in the uh, from from Obamacare, you know, the ones that Geneva and other colleges sued over mm-hmm. the, you know, the abortion pill mandate and so on. Um, that's going to come back. I think the Christian colleges and Christian schools are going to be challenged in a lot of ways. Hmm. Um, and I think culturally, I mean, so aside from sort of assaults on kind of those institutions, I think culturally, uh, you know, Biden supporters are already talking about coming up with 
these like these Stasi lists of former Trump supporters and so on. So I think there's, I, I don't want to overplay it. I, I don't know that Christians are headed for jail immediately. Okay, I, I, I just want to be blunt. I know I, By the I, way, you're all on this podcast, so you're all busted. You're all, you're all, your faces. You should wear a mask. Go into, I don't want to go into conspiracy theories. Right, right. And, you know, spreading fear about it and so on. But I think Christians are going to have to be observant of what's going on. Kind of, the, you know, reading the signs of the times and knowing what to do. Sons of Issachar. Wise um, as serpents, innocent as doves, right? Yeah. I think churches have to stay involved in local communities. I think church, I think communities that see churches that, that exhibit love yeah. towards each other and in their communities, um, you know, we may have to focus again on local politics mm-hmm. uh, and not spend, uh, I, I don't say spend so much time worrying about, but, you know, things on the national level are not going to look good, but it doesn't mean the Christians should abandon politics. Right. Uh, there are lots of things, whether it's, you know, fighting against legalized gambling even or legalized marijuana in Pennsylvania uh, you know, there are huge negative effects of some of these things, and local churches can do so much good um, in their communities, uh, supporting good candidates uh, to, to run for office, um, really holding their elected officials' feet to the fire. Um, you know, I, I, I posted a piece not long ago um, about Pennsylvania, and the, the, the uh, governors want to move to legalize marijuana. Um, churches should have a voice in that, uh, in, in trying to uh, to prevent the you know the worst of things from happening. Um, so those are just a couple of things. I, I think we're in for some. I think we're in for some tough years. I think culturally we're going to face a lot of challenges to public uh, displays of faith. Um, you know, practicing our religion, not just practicing our worship. You know, mm-hmm. behind closed doors. Um, but I'm always optimistic. And we have a sovereign God, uh, and uh, you know, He He knows what's happening. Uh, and he's working things together for the good of the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, so even when we're faced uh, with good word. with real challenges, I think that's what he's doing. Good word, my friend. Good word. Hey, uh, let's lighten it up. You guys ready to play a game to close it out? All let's right. do it. All right. So we've been asking questions, but this is a famous game we do here on our podcast. It's world famous. Which I, I, world I famous. just found out today that Mark actually, you know, we thought that Mark was the originator of this game, but Mark actually confessed to me today that he was not the sole originator of this game no tommy shelton is also we played 10 bad questions on our original podcast that we did like 15 years ago it feels like but um but so i'm gonna ask this this game's called tom this game's called 10 bad questions okay (laughs) so i'm gonna ask you really bad questions and you just say the first thing that comes to your head and we'll ask uh, I'll ask random people so I'll call you might not get to answer every question but I'll call your name and you just gotta pop out a pop out an answer all right okay all right so cue the music here in post-production here we go first of the 10 bad questions I don't now, even know what these are so I'm kind no, of no, no, nobody ever knows what they are I only know what they are and I don't answer them but sometimes I answer but here we go number one if you were quarantined with one celebrity who would you choose let's go let's start with Tom if you were quarantined with one celebrity who would you choose oh man this is how long do I have to answer this question no you, no, you only got a few seconds come on man uh a celebrity, uh, Mel Gibson. Oh, I that would talk yeah. to Mel Gibson. <laughs> you got to grow the beard like Mel, man. He's got, he's got Tommy. What about you? Who would you, who would you go? 
Yeah, the guy who plays Nick on New Girl, I don't, that was the first thing that came to mind. I feel like he and I would have good conversations. I would have never guessed you would ever. All right, so that was number one. Number two, all right, number two, if you were quarantined with one Christian celebrity, who would you you choose? If you were quarantined with one Christian celebrity, Marv. Alive or dead? I mean, <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> Go ahead, whatever you want. Don't say E-W Jesus Tozer, either, baby. huh? E W Tozer. E W Tozer. Oh, that sounds really boring. Anyway, so <laughs> for have, you, let's have some fun. All right, I would choose Bono, but. Um, all right, so uh, let's go. Let's go, John. John, what about you? One Christian celebrity. Uh, first person that popped into my mind was uh, Mr. Timothy Keller. So. Tim Keller. Ah, so we're going Tim Keller. Nice. And then Tom, what about you? Who would you go with? Christian celebrity. Well, I, Mark, I think you answered the question wrong. I think you actually would spend more time with Striper than you would with Bob. Oh, right? Striper. <laughs> Striper. Yellow and black attack. Right. It's been a long time. We yeah. are pulled. No, do you remember Geneva? We had Petra. Remember Petra? Mm-hmm. Oh, we had Petra. Petra. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Pylon Lefebvre. All right. Yeah. Number three. Third question. We'll start with Tommy. Cha-Cha Slide or Macarena? Ooh. Watermelon Crawl. I'm going with <laughs> option C. <laughs> Third party. <laughs> Bill. They really unite the line dancing um, community. The worm. Bill, Cha Cha Slide or Macarena? I'm going to have to go with the Macarena. Ah, Macarena. Nice. All or right. Or is it Macarena? Macarena. <laughs> Kamala. Kamala. Whatever. All right, Tom, what about you? Cha Cha Slide or Macarena? Oh, I'd go with option D. I think the, the little dance that President Trump has been doing at the end of his. <laughs> it's uh, kind of the Macarena. Yeah, it's kind of a. Kind of a seventy-year-old arena, the yeah. Trump arena, the Trump arena. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just in this wedding. I just got married, so I'm in this whole wedding. Wouldn't thing it be here. called the Mog Arena? The, the Mog. Oh. Bonus points. Oh, bonus! You get bonus. All right, all right. Here we go. Number four on Ted Bad Questions. Do they do? Did they do the clinking of the glass? to kiss at your wedding did they do the clinking of the glass at your wedding tom we'll start with you no we had uh stand-up food and of course i'm also from a good reformed presbyterian background so there was nothing in any clinky glasses to even <laughs> nice uh bill what about you yes they did oh nice marv what about you uh, I set up a whole crew of about 35 people to do it for me. <laughs> nice. Oh, so they were doing it all night, all night. Because Tom kept clinking. Because Mar- Marv believed in not having his first kiss with his wife until his wedding, so he wanted to make sure he got his <laughs> I read a book about that. No. I, got, and I said I shouldn't. Marv wrote the book, I Kissed Kissing Goodbye. That's right. <laughs> I wrote the book, I Kissed Joshua Harris Goodbye. <laughs> okay, um, all right. We're going to start with uh, Tom on this one. Would you rather be the Mandalorian or Baby Yoda? Oh, Mando. Oh, you're going Mando? All this, right. This is the way. This, this way. is the way. Uh, Tommy, what about you? Uh, Baby Yoda in the Mandalorian armor. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Bill, what about you? I don't know if I top that one. I guess I'll just go Yoda to be completely different. Nice. Well, you could eat all those little egg things if you haven't. Anyway. Oh, spoiler. Sorry. Spoiler. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Yes. <laughs> yes. All right. Tom Copeland, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Absolutely. Absolutely. Bill? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Marv? I think you watch it on Christmas, but it's an action film. Okay. It came out in July. What about you, John? 
I have to say, I mean, it came out in July, and it's not really... I love it. It's a great movie, but it's not a Christmas movie. All right, I'm going to go Christmas movie. It's got Christmas in Hollis. That's all it needs. Right there, Christmas in Hollis by Run DMC. All right, number seven. Number seven, Tom, last movie you saw in a theater. Uh, The Churchill one from like uh, two years ago. I can't think what... It wasn't just called Churchill, but anyway, it was... Right. The, I saw it too, one. and I can't remember and the Gary name Gary Oldman won his uh, long-delayed Oscar. Yes. Yep. John, what about you? <laughs> Last movie you saw in the theater. Bill and Ted's, the, the new one, the new adventure. Yes. Friends of ours rented out the whole theater and sort of like five families in an entire theater watching Bill, Bill and nice. Ted's together. So. Nice. Mine was Tenet, and I still don't know what happened. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I'm still trying, still trying to figure it out. Um, all right, here we go. Number eight. We'll start with, we'll start with John on this one. Godzilla or King Kong? Oh, Godzilla. Godzilla. Tommy. Yeah, I Godzilla. Tom. I have no opinion. Oh, <laughs> Ooh, Mothra. Anyway. Really bad. <laughs> Marv. Uh, definitely Godzilla. Bill. Not the man, I'm a King Kong guy. Like Ooh. Five Family Ties, Growing Pains, or Cosby Show? We'll start with Tom. I guess I was also a Cosby guy, a Cosby Show guy, at least well until. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's all right. You get it. You get a pass on that because it's. Until you know, dot, dot, dot. Yeah. yeah, until then. All right. So we got Cosby, Tommy. I'd have to go Family Ties because my recorded off NBC copy of Return of the Jedi, uh, it had the the very last moment of of Family Ties when Alex P. Keaton says, you've got fallen arches, and it's just burned in my mind because I was going to watch Return of the Jedi, so I have to go go Family Ties. Nice. Was that right before Sit, Ubu, Sit? Wasn't that at the end of it? Sit, Ubu, Sit. Sit, Ubu, Sit. Good dog. Yep. (laughs) Bill. I have to admit, before before the 2000s, I would have to say the, Cro- the Crosby Show. Okay, Cosby mm. Show, Marv. Sad. Growing Paints. Growing. Oh, he went. That's true. Oh gosh. All right, Kirk Cameron. And that's the Christian celebrity that you spend time with. Yeah, you're you're on the quarantine with Kirk Cameron. You're on quarantine with Kirk Cameron. You know you would. All right, here we go. Last question. It is a classic. Uh, last time we're going to hear it ever on 10 Bad Questions. If you could run your fingers through Donald Trump's hair or Joel Osteen's hair, which one would you choose? Start with Marv. I always say Donald J. Trump. <laughs> because I want to know, is it actually fake? Tom. Orange man, good. Orange man. Trump hair. Yeah. <laughs> Going for Trump hair. Tommy. I'm going to have to say Trump because I don't think my hands can go through Jalosti's hair. I think that he gets stuck. Something. John. Uh, I'm going to go with Trump as well. Yeah. John, nice. No flip-flopping. Sticking with the Trump. Yep. All right. <laughs> Bill, final final answer, Bill. Uh, I have to go with Trump, too. I think his hair is free-flowing. It, it like, <laughs> might come stuff. off, but... It looks like my... a blur on, on the news. <laughs> like took might the they blur. blur something out? Yeah. Well, that is 10 Bad Questions. <laughs> Hey guys, thanks for playing along. Thanks for answering those 10 really bad questions. And thank you, Tom. Thanks for being with us today. Really appreciate you uh, being here and and sharing uh, your wisdom with us. All you guys, including Marv, thank you for being here. This will be up soon, so share it with people and hopefully it'll be helpful to them. And uh, we will um, be back here in a moment on Post-Christian Bath Pastors, but see you later, guys. Take care. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Bye.
we're back. Man, listen to Tom was great. Mm-hmm. Haven't seen him in like 20 some years. <laughs> That's crazy. So it was really cool. And just, you could tell he had, you know, just brought some, some gravitas yeah. to that where he's thought about this stuff. And he didn't know what he was talking about at all. No, <laughs> not at all. He, <laughs> he hasn't thought about so Tom, this. when you listen to this, thank you. <laughs> yeah. You didn't know what you were talking yes, about. Yes, absolutely. And um, so, yeah. I, and I also found out for our listeners that we didn't say this during the part when Tom was on, but Tom and Mark uh, were uh, broadcasters together. Yeah, uh, we used to broadcast Geneva College <laughs> basketball and football and intramural hockey. <laughs> that's right. Intramural hockey, that thriving yeah. sport. That's right. Just people listening by the thousands. Yeah. Um, yes. did, you, did you have Doc Emmerich in between the glass? That, that would have been <laughs> awesome. We'll go down to you, Doc. <laughs> Down on the Geneva <laughs> sideline, because <laughs> wasn't he? Wasn't he? Yeah, at he was Geneva a teacher at Ge- No, was I'm not before? that old. Oh. <laughs> oh my gosh! I thought it was in the. He was in I, the 70s. How old do you think I am? No, I thought it, I thought he was there in the late 80s, early 90s. No. Oh, okay, uh-huh. before, way before 70s. That. Oh, in the 70s, 70s. Okay. late 70s. Late 70s. Okay. Yeah, I was. Come on, man. Sorry, I'm just 51. Just, just 10 years early. Yeah, you sound just like Marv. 10 years late. <laughs> it was good to see Marv again yeah. and hear Marv. If you. I think we're going to have this uh, up on YouTube also. You can watch, uh, or on Facebook, you can watch a little bit of it on there if you want to see the visuals since we had so many people on. But, uh, man, I'm just, uh, you know, I think we just need to keep walking through this time as followers of Christ um, and just remind ourselves that we are followers of Christ first. Yep. And trying trying to, I mean, this is why we do this podcast. Because living in this culture, it isn't easy. Mm-hmm. It isn't easy. Um, I, re- I, love, I love what Tom said. It's not going to get easier. I think we need to, as a church, learn to live more as exiles mm-hmm. and aliens and strangers. And yeah. I don't think we're very comfortable doing that. I had this conversation with my dad right over there on that couch yeah. uh, the other day because he was, he, was he was a pretty big Trump guy. And, uh, he was, you know, I was like, dad, just, uh, I was trying to console him, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, and just being like, you know, dad, I think we just got to get used to living as exiles and aliens and strangers, maybe a little bit more. And I'm not saying that's just because of Trump. Right. I think there's a lot of sure. cultural forces for that. And I just said, I don't think we're, we just either don't want to do that. We're not comfortable with that because in America we've never been that. Mm-hmm. But I think for the last, you know, 60 some years, I think especially, we've been moving in that direction away yep. from a Christian worldview. Mm-hmm. And I think now it is that 3% of the millennials have a Christian worldview. Yeah. 3%. So where does that tell you we're headed unless the church um, begins to share the gospel with people? Yep. So absolutely. Well, I thank you for being here. Thanks Mark. Since Mike ditched us, I mean, Mike, Mike is not as committed yeah. as you are, John. <laughs> He's not, if we looked at his attendance record, yeah. Over the last couple right. of years, I mean, it was on my calendar. It yeah, said, you know, yeah. Don't forget. Yeah, my attendance record is a hundred percent. Yours is close to that. Yeah, I'm not quite You're close to that, but yeah. Mike is somewhere in the 65, 75 <laughs> percent range. It's not cutting it, Mike, but we love you. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, hey, well, we're gonna get out of here uh, again. Go online and um, and find us uh, wherever you found us and share us with others. We're where most uh, podcasts are found. You can find us on Google Podcasts. Uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Now Spotify. Spotify, Ooh. which my daughter's over here. Spotify, <laughs> right, sweetie? 
So uh, we're, we're, we're big with the kiddos. We're big, we're That's big right. with the teens and tweens. We've made it. No, all we need is TikTok. And uh, <laughs> we will get John doing a TikTok dance. That will be our big promo. So, hey, thanks for joining us. We will check you uh, out soon here on Post-Christian Pastors. Say goodbye, John. Bye, John. We're out. <laughs>